Hello, do you like New Japan Pro Wrestling? Are you a Shin Nihon freak? If so, check out the Super Jcast with Joel and Damon on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. And even if you fucking hate New Japan Pro Wrestling, listen to the Super Jcast anyway. Not just for our great show reviews, analysis, and pastrami sandwiches, mm-hmm. but there's also usually some dick jokes somewhere in the obligatory opening 30 minutes of absolute nonsense we chat about every single week. That's the Super Jcast for all the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for February 13th, 2024. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on the Open the Voice Gate Podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow the show on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says Sponsor This Podcast, and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, Case Lowe. And Case, it is something where it feels like there, there's more Dragon Gate than ever right now, as like I'm looking at like the Mania schedule and everything like that. But it, it's an interesting time where like we have these big events here, but this week in Dragon Gate did not necessarily feel like the most pressing thing to me in a lot of ways. No, no. These were uh, the the Kyoto shows. That, I'm sorry, not the the Kyoto shows, but the Fukuoka shows that we're going to talk about. It, not bad by any means. I think you and I, and I think you would agree, have sat through far worse Fukuoka shows. Oh yeah, uh, yes, yeah. But uh, 
Also not the most exciting. I mean, there was one match that, oh, over the course of these two shows that I really, really liked. A few that I thought were pretty good. A few uh, notable things here. But this is one of those weeks where you and I were messaging, messaging each other throughout the day going like, all right, what are we going to talk about? Let's figure this out. And I got so excited, Mike, mid-afternoon. Thought I had a surprise topic, something I was not going to surprise you with on the air, but a link that I was going to send you uh, before we started recording, because I went on the Voices of Wrestling Discord today, I went to the miscellaneous Puro, Puro section, and I saw somebody putting over a tag match between Genkai and Hubbo versus Gaina and Nozaki from Kyushu Pro. And here I am sitting here thinking about how Daisuke Sekimoto and Kodai Nozaki just had that that really heated match in Kyushu Pro. Haven't seen it yet. Heard it's excellent. Super excited about it. Going to watch it. And me not paying attention, I think, oh, that's got to be on the same show. Somebody's putting this over. I can lump Hubbo into a Dragon Gate podcast discussion. We're going to talk some Kyushu <laughs> Pro tonight. And then I clicked the link and I saw that the match was from July 30th, 2017. And I got so disappointed. So I, I don't even have a special topic for you tonight, Mike. It is just bare bones Dragon Gate talk. You know, it it it, it seems like something that whenever whenever Kyushu Pro is involved, and and we've been in and outs of Kyushu Pro over a few years with Dragon Gate stuff. It it's always like the tease of like, hey, uh, somehow uh, these free shows that. Uh, uh, that Jiri's promoting they're getting 1500 people and you're getting the Sekimoto main event and it's just like what's all happening here and then of course it's always going to end up being something from three years or six years before you know that's just sometimes that's just how it goes with that promotion I feel like yeah no it, it's odd I was thinking about that because obviously you know two and three years ago Genki and Susumu were the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Champions and Dragon Gate had quite a bit of involvement there and you and I had heard rumblings that maybe maybe Dragon Gate even had some sort of financial stake in Kyushu Pro and I feel like it was around the time that Tajiri came in that Dragon Gate really ceased to have a working relationship with them and then I started thinking about the fact that Tajiri has always been parallel to dragon gate but i don't believe has ever done even a one-off appearance here yeah it's something where it does kind of feel like never the streams shall meet in a way and i don't know if it's something with just the 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 way that wrestling has worked over however long that like a tajiri even though he was from like that era and would seem like to be lining up i mean he was trained by Tahano, Silver King and Grand Apache, like this guy you would think would, would would have always kind of like dipped in and out in the similar way that we, you know, we talk about how Michinoku Pro, they're like cousins of the Dragon System of the Way. It's like the same overall tree. But when I look at overall just uh, shows that he, that Tajiri has been on, the, the, the closest affiliation were the 2019 OWE uh, versus uh, New Taiwan Wrestling in tai Taipei, Taiwan, 2019. That's the closest it's ever been. I uh, I got to be honest. I don't have any recollection of that one. Okay, so here's what we, we have, because, of course, I'm going to have this card already pulled up because th th this, is, this is the week that we're doing right here. This is, so this is an OWE show or an OWE the, Dragon Gate show? or No, what, this who's, is who's 20... promoting this? Uh, this was, I, I would say, New Taiwan Wrestling. 
Okay. Were, were the promoters? And, oh, and you say know, less. All right. Oh, new. Oh, new Taiwan wrestling. Now I follow. But I mean, it's one of those things that like there's always been like a promotions in Taiwan and Singapore that will bring in people from Japan and it and in, across Southeast Asia. And it is something that like new Taiwan wrestling was one of the ones that I felt I felt like that you would see like Kenny Omega and Riho doing shows with uh, OWE kids on it. That was not the case for this one case. The main event for the NTW Openweight Tag Team Titles. Shima and Logan beat A. Youngo and the Joker. Uh, Kazuya and Tajiri defeat L. Lindemann and T. Hawk in the semi-main event. This this all feels fake. Like I'm not looking at this card, and so it's just not computing in my brain whatsoever. Oh, I, I am looking at the card right now, and six man tag, third from the bottom. Gao Jingja, Hyper Streak, Takahiro Yamamura defeating. Axe Gaia Hawks, who right now I believe is wrestling for Gaia Hawks is wrestling in Japan right now, and Haka. But it's just sometimes you just got to go with this, with, with how these things were going. But that's like the closest Tajiri has really come to the Dragon system. Let me ask you a question about Tajiri. Do you, Absolutely. Think, he, do you think he is the highest regarded wrestler with the least amount of great matches? It's something where I have read to Jerry's autobiography case. Okay. So it was, it's not worth it. Uh, it's not worth your Kindle dollars. But okay. All right. Good, it, good to know. You, you know how I like to spend those Kindle dollars. Well, it was something where I was like, I had a lot of Amazon credit. And it was like English translation of Tajiri's autobiography, how to promote it. And I was like, okay, this could be somewhat interesting. Let's go, let's go along with this. And instead it was just like, talking about smash and i'm like i don't really <laughs> care about this but no it, it is something where i think he was someone that he had like that four-year stretch that everyone was like holy shit it's tajiri and great vibe guy great gimmick guy and was able to keep up the end the other side of the bargain so you never really noticed he didn't have a great match because it was fucking tajiri you know he is he is probably the best wrestler in the world in 1999. Right, yeah. He's he's probably most outstanding that year because I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I I know because I was just watching some of it. Like, it's a big year for Negro Casas and a big year for Santo. And, I, you know, I, I wouldn't fight anybody that said, at the very least, that Shima deserved to be in that conversation. But it's kind of a weird year for New Japan and a weird year for All Japan and American wrestling is at its absolute worst in 1999. So Tajiri kind of wins it almost by default just because he was the best wrestler in ECW that year. But I, there's not a consensus, this is the best Tajiri match ever, because, I mean, some people would say the Carino match. Some people would say the the FBI versus Whipwreck and Tajiri match from Hammerstein in late 2000. I don't think that was the last show. I think that was late 2000. Um there's the psychosis match when psychosis returned to the arena that I really like, but it's odd. Like even in, like what's his best match in Japan. I have been spending the last five minutes trying to think of that because he is someone that, I mean, like, yeah, he's had this incredibly like interesting career. Interesting enough that I will see an autobiography written by him. It's like, Tajiri probably has some interesting things to say. Yeah, you know? I mean, so I, I've, I've told this story before, but Tajiri was in the first wrestling match that I ever watched. Tajiri is yeah. honest to God a large reason why I fell in love with wrestling. Him and Billy Kidman. 
But if you're going to ask me like what IWA Japan and Big Japan matches he were he was in uh, before his ECW run and which one of those were best, I don't think really any of them kind of compute on the same level. Like, weirdly enough, I feel like Tajiri in Japan, like before that, maybe it is the uh, random just stuff that he would be on as like a young guy. You know, but nothing yeah, like I he's put got up an, there. He, he's got a match against Otani at the dome that is really good. Right. Yeah, but even but that's like really good. But I don't I don't even know if it's a great match. I don't know if it's a four star match. There's just kind of he's it's odd. It, it's only they, eight minutes. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's a ninety seven juniors match in the dome where you know the the crowd just wasn't. I mean, like let me look at let me look at that card real quick because that was um that was the fourth match on the show. Koji Kanemoto versus Super Liger, Jinsei Shinzaki uh, versus Ohara are before it. And then, yeah, it's, I mean, it's Hashimoto and Choshu in the main event. So this is very much of the era where you're still, the juniors are not getting love at the Dome. You know, I'm sure that match, I haven't watched it in many years. I'm sure it was wrestled to largely silence. No, no, uh, no, no foul done by Otani or Tajiri. Yeah, yeah. But it's yeah, it's just, it's where... very strange. Yeah, so it's something where case I look at I, I'm right now looking at the listing there and I could tell you without watching this that it's a very charitable three and a half stars out of Dave. Like, hey, you went out there and had the effort. It's just you're a junior in the dome in the nineties kind of thing. Yeah, you know? I mean it's so it's so weird because he leaves WWE in two thousand five. And goes pretty much straight into hustle. Yeah, like never I know, I know there are people out there that are like really into Smash, and that was that was a big Sagoon Nakeda thing and a big pro wrestling only thing. And at a time, that was the popular zag when people were were zigging on Japanese wrestling. Was it was like, well, you know, Tajiri and Finley and Smash, like, oh my god, that, that's that didn't excite me at all. The little bit I've seen of it, I've never it, had it, any it desire was... to go back and rewatch it. Yeah, I would say that like when you like talk about like Smash and like W and C and like those kind of almost like felt folded right into like when Russell One kind of picked up yes, right as yeah. W and C kind of fell apart as, as, a, is, as a promotion that makes tape a strange amount and yet I have no desire to watch. Right, and you wonder like, okay, who's actually like going to these shows like who actually considers themselves like a smash fan it's a, it's a gundicata and if you think about like the rest <laughs> of the wrestling world and like 2010 japan like okay yeah that tracks like i like i can't say that i'm surprised too much about that but like it, it is something where like you're you're talking about someone who, li- who leaves wwe and essentially for the next like decade is doing these like random like spots and it's like yes he has these home promotions and he talks about like how like hard it was to do this and why he thinks like wrestling in japan is the way it is and it's very much like oh like you're just kind of like you get certain aspects of this very very well but you're just not in these places to have these sorts of things you know like he's never going to have a four and a half star match because it's just not the kind of guy he is and it's just it's just not in the cards. I feel like no, no. He never, he never really had a, a like post prime to to Jerry great match, which is the odd thing. I mean, we've talked about this with Ultimo before, where I think Ultimo's legacy is greatly hindered by the fact that from 2005 to 2019, he's largely a non entity. And luckily with Drangit, he's been able to have a few really special matches. But to Jerry doesn't 
seem to have that it's it's odd it really makes me think because like i looked at, at our greatest wrestler ever ballots that we did in 2021 and i had to jerry ranked at 74 i had here's here's the grouping that he's in you'll enjoy this number 70 brett hart which i stand by i've never been a brett guy number 71 akira tozawa number 72 will osprey number 73 masafuchi 74 yoshihiro to jerry 75 rick martell so he is in that grouping of wrestler. And I feel like if I had to do it again, I would probably have to Jerry in the very least in the top 80 or 85. I mean, he would fall a little bit, but not much, but there's not like, there's not the holy shit to Jerry match. It's a little bit of the thing with William Regal Regal, oddly enough, like the last few matches of his career with hero and with Mox and with Claudio, those help his case to a degree. My my feelings on Regal have soured uh, over the last eight years since the first time I had Greatest Wrestler ever, and he was like a top 30 guy for me. I would not have Regal anywhere near that now. But Tajiri and Regal have a very similar career where they've, I think, largely survived off of reputation more than actual output. Yeah, and I think that it is something where, and it's not to disparage the people who really were, like, the, it was their formative years was this promotion, I think that the farther we get away from ECW, we kind of see how many people were very much like, oh, it works completely because it's 1996 and it's Sabu, you know, and in, in that place. And I think that Tajiri, in a lot of ways, ends up that way for me where he doesn't even rate my top 100, to be honest. Yeah, I, I still I like the ECW stuff so much. And it, it's funny, like. You know, greatest wrestler ever, like especially the first one that was done on pro wrestling only in 2016, which I guess was the second one. Cause smarts choice did one in 2006, but it's just funny the way you get influenced by your environment. Even if you're aware of the influence that's happening and you're trying to avoid it, because I put so much stock because that website did into like, Hey, can you work a seven minute WWE TV match really well? Well, Matt Hardy can and to Jerry can <laughs> and little Guido can. So I'm probably going to vote for those guys. And now, you know, in, in 2024, or if I was going to do one in 2026, I would still probably vote for to Jerry. I would uh, by, by no way vote for Matt Hardy and little Guido would still be on my personal favorite top 100 wrestlers, but not somebody that would. I can't I can't put him on a list and leave somebody like Milano Collection AT off of it if you if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I think that it it's something where my favorite wrestler as a kid will always be Road Dog before ah, I did not know that. <laughs> oh, like when I was like first watching wrestling because he was like the South Park wrestler, you know? Oh like, yeah. But but before like you kind of like developed taste, and then it was Chris Jericho. And that makes a lot of sense, right? But yeah. It, it, it is something though that I feel like those are there are these like personal favorites that you're just not able that we have certain kinds of I don't know if I would say if it's like a developmental thing, but like just like if you look at culture and everything, we fixate on the things that we liked the most when we were younger, when our love was more pure and was like more like unconditional in a way. So I feel like these sometimes these things kind of pop up like this. Just so 16 minutes in, people aren't like uh, saying like, well, actually about this. Tajiri was technically on a Dragon Gate card in 2019, but case it is called Dragon Gate Yokohama Mitsuzawa Charity Pro Wrestling. It has a bunch of like people around uh, 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 around the Yokohama area wrestling. Uh, uh, 
Masayuki Matomi from PPP Tokyo main eventing with the other Dragon Gate guys. It's very much a bot show kind of situation. And it's Dragon Kid and Ultimo versus Masaki Mochizuki and Tajiri. Goes to a non-contest in 12 minutes and 44 seconds. I really want to see the semi-main event on that show. Ben K versus Jiro in 14 minutes. That's the drinking you know, champion Ben. That's right. And like, you know, Jiro's yeah. very off-putting, of course, but I've I've seen the man have great matches. He's very capable of not being annoying. He just chooses the path of most resistance all the time. And it's something though that I have to say, like the, the like the uh, sheer commitment to the bit and just not changing it up, just like making. He's like, no, I'm the same guy, but now I'm cribbing Magum Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, and, and you, ha- like, you have to respect it. You have to hand it to oh, him. Oh, oh, I mean, easily the best thing on some of these uh, dry, dry Glate shows is Jiro pissing off El Lindemann. Yeah, like, I, I really. I, there was that time there on Wrestle One where Jiro was like crazy over and the cruiser champion of all like it felt like that there was a period that because he was like all japan tv champion at the same time too right that sounds right that sounds right yeah huh all right well jiro versus ben k added to my dragon gate holy grail list next to shingo versus super sisa from 2016 i mean just all the greats right there all the all the stars (laughs) uh but elsewhere on the show just to give you a sense of this uh the uh second match on the show maximum jason lee masaudi yoshino naruki doi versus keisuke akuda ryo saito and sugataka saito and i i don't know i don't know who sugataka saito is at least off the top of my off top of my head random uh pro wrestling zero one slum guy okay so a higher profile than keisuke akuda in the year 2024 yeah, 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 yeah. This guy, at least, case has had a grant. He has had a grand total of five. Oh, he's a current uh, NWA Intercontinental Tag Team title holder with Yunya Matsunaga. Ah, I was gonna guess Chris Weiss. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I just assumed he was one half of the tag team champions. <laughs> Would it stun you that uh, he has defended the, the belt already against Kuma Arashi? No, it would not. No, 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 of course not. Uh, let's talk about the week in Dragon Gate. Fine. Case. You know, we made it 20 minutes, Yeah, but I feel like we've kind of got to. The, there is one match that I think both of us really want to talk about. We're going to talk about this uh, last week in Dragon Gate. Uh, they had a homecoming show for or for Sachi and Okayama, the doubleheader at Across Fukuoka, another show in Akata, as well as we're going to talk a, a little bit about Fantastica Mania, Strong Machine J making an appearance there. But Decourage, we're going to take this unit by unit. Decourage, uh, winner and loser of the weekend. I think we have to call Decourage one of the biggest winners as we've been waiting to see who out of this rookie class was going to jump out ahead and finally get the win, get their first fall. And it happens on this... uh, Fukuoka evening show. It is gold class Benkei, Kota Minora, and BB Hulk versus D Courage, Madoka Kakuda, Dragon Daya, and Ryoya Tanaka. Tanaka gets the roll up on a schoolboy after Daya and Kakuda lay some strikes on Hulk. But the real story of this is Ryoya Tanaka kind of went 50 50 with BB Hulk in the opener and looked fantastic. Yeah, no, this was, this was really fun stuff here. I mean, it was a necessary step. In the evolution of Tanaka, he gets his first win 
nine months into his career. He debuted at the end of May last year, and in mid-February, he picks up a victory. And it it feels like it's the right time. You know, I I struggle sometimes, and I think this is less of a problem with Drangate's booking in more of just an issue where we see more Dragon Gate than ever before. I was just thinking recently about just how much more footage we have than we did 2014, 2015, 2016, etc. So I think in our heads, we've been watching this guy lose over and over again. And despite his elevation, he just continues to lose. And so, you know, I, I think my patience sort of wears thin at times with these rookies and their inability to get wins. I, I'm going through this more so with Daiki Yanagiuchi right now, where I just feel like he's done such consistent work going back to about November of last year, where it's like, all right, this guy looks good every single show. Let's get him a win. Let's get him a unit. Let's do something with him because Drangate needs, they, they always need bodies the way that the uh, the bodies, unfortunately, are relegated to the sidelines due to injury at times with this roster. So getting Tanaka a win, having them do it the way that they did, with not only the finish where the more established members of D courage help him get the win, but about a minute before the finish, he gets a schoolboy on Hulk for a deep two count. Great spot there. That sort of signifies, Hey, he's so close to being able to do this on his own, but he needs Kakuta. He needs Daya. They help him out. He gets the win. And now it's off to the races because once you get that first win, you know, now Tanaka can beat anybody on the roster and they're set to go. So I, it was a, uh, a very much a feel good moment here, and I'm I'm picking up on this repeatedly, Mike. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's just good to hear screams from the audience. It's not as vapid as like oh, I like when crowds cheer because, of course, we all do. But I do feel like lately there have been some some sounds from these Dragon Gate crowds that have sounded much more like 2019 than they did 2023. If that makes sense. Yeah, I think we've seen over really the last 10 months. I, I because I if I remember right, it was April when everything got lifted. But it took about 10 months it feels like that everything kind of feels like this. While you were or while you were talking, I was looking this up just to confirm this for my own edification case. Uh Ryuichi Naka has had 17 matches uh already in 2024. And you have to go from the start of the year, you go about 10 matches before you're looking at something where he's left off a YouTube upload. So wow, we have really? it, it is something where like you, you start off the year in Sambo Hall. So televised there, KBS televised there, Edeon Arena too, televised there, doubleheader in Corkin, and then the doubleheader in Sambo Hall. He, he faces Ishin at prime zone. He goes to gate of Bayside. And then you're looking at a show in Shizuoka as the first ones. And that's just going from streams. That's not looking towards YouTube uploads, which more often than not case, Decourage are in the YouTube upload. So we're, we're talking about someone who we virtually have seen every single match he's had this year. And when you compare and contrast that to, let's just say, someone that now that he is the guy, we can kind of compare and contrast this case. We maybe saw... 10 matches in maybe six months for Hiyawa Nabe's start of his career. It's just something where we get so much footage now that we get to see this. It's uh, it's something I was thinking about a lot last week where I, I, I can't tell if it clouds the perception of the product or not 
among people in our bubble because I think there's a an argument that might be out there. Maybe maybe it's a straw man argument, and I'm I'm purely making this up here, but I think there's probably a thought process out there that the hit rate, you know, the the amount of good matches per show was just so much higher a decade ago. But you have to remember the TV loop was Corkin and Kobe and then yeah, and then maybe an Osaka show. And then you would do three days in in Hokkaido, but they would get cut up into one broadcast. So you wouldn't the 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 Shingo versus Super Shisa match I just referenced. That was King of Gate 2016. They did a triple shot in Hokkaido. That show was filmed. We got all of the King of Gate stuff. But there was a Shingo versus Shisa match from that set of shows that never aired uh, because it was just cut for time. You know, we we were just not seeing uh, – we were not guaranteed to see anything from Kyoto, uh, the the Fukuoka stuff. I feel like there would be Hakata Star Lane shows that wouldn't even make tape sometime. Uh, you know, maybe it, it I'm misremembering, be, but yeah. It would be something where – so Dragon Gate with the old Affinity system, like there was weekly shows. So up until, you know, the start of the Ustream era, really. Yeah, so 2013 is when that yeah. would have stopped. And, so, I, and you know, I, I go back and watch 2008 era Infinity, and I love the way that the show set up where you're catching little glimpses of all, almost every show. But yeah, the 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 golden era of Dragon as a lot of people listening to this think of it, is full shows uncut, but only certain shows throughout the tour. Which would be like... I would say, in case, feel free, like, we could probably figure this out amongst ourselves. We get about two to three matches now from every show, essentially. Like, there are some sold shows that they just don't, like, I, I the, like, whenever they go do, like, uh, uh, bike races or boat races, those aren't going to probably ever get taped because those are sold shows more often than not. But of the shows that Dragon Gate actively promotes, we see probably about... 75 to 80 percent of everything that takes place in a dragon gate ring nowadays it's insane it's so much stuff and it's beneficial for us but yeah compare that though to 2013 through basically the start of the ustream era you would get the full big five shows and you would maybe get full cork wins but we're talking about 75 80 percent today 30 to 40 maybe percent of what actually happened in dragon gate shows Mike, we weren't getting Dreamgate matches on tape through 2014. Right. There's still so, the the Yamato Susumu match from 2014. It only aired on the intermission of Kobe World 2014, and I happen to not be watching said intermission. Thus, mm-hmm. I've never seen that match. Yeah. So it is something where I think for people like I can only speak for myself, and I feel like I know your tastes well enough. For as much as like we watch, and then maybe like the the Joe Gagne is the people who watch everything. He's a freak. That yeah, that guy. I, I respect that. I re- especially as someone who was getting through uh, a couple of these YouTube uploads this week and just trying to pound through them. But getting through all of that, outside of like those like the people like that and the people who really specialize and follow Dragon Gate and Dragon Gate and Dragon Gate, you're probably talking about ideally watching still that thirty to forty percent. And has that 30 to 40 percent really changed or have the stars changed? And that's what colors people's perception because it's not the stars like we are talking about with wrestling uh, that we grew up on. Uh, these aren't 
your Dragon Gate that you grew up on, so you're not uh, as charitable or you're as willing to be as open-minded as you once were. Oh, I mean, there's definitely that. Because, I mean, I mention this all the time, but like, you know, on the network, you've got all the infinities from 2017 and 2018. And I, I find it very funny that there are some people that will even look back on those years with rose-colored glasses because they're still Shima and Shingo and Kness and, and Gamma and Shisa and, you know, at that point, you know, the, the, the guys I mentioned last, you know, they're dead weight on the bottom of the card, they're card filler and Shima and Shingo are they're not exactly doing their best work. But for some people, that's still, that's still more Dragon Gate than it is today. Whereas I go back and look at those cards and I just a lot of the time they look horrendous and I, I really have no interest in that era. I don't value that era, you know, of, of 2017 through the OWE split to any degree. But we talk to a lot of people that to them, that is still Dragon Gate and a card without Shima or a card without Shingo or Yoshino is just still foreign to them. And I, I yeah. think the talent is very close to the peak era. You know, I, again, I think Shun is the best wrestler in the world, not named Brian Danielson or Will Ospreay or maybe on the right day, Mystico. But uh, it's it's an uphill battle, to say the least. It's something where, like, I guess... I it, it, there's like a thought in the back of my head that like when I like think about these time periods because when I think about 2018 other than just everything happening up through Kobe world I think about oh Shingo dropped his last cork and fall to pack on Pac's first night and the but returning to the company I think about how strong they finished that year in a lot of ways and they did that sort of transition and I feel like that in a lot of ways, maybe some of it is that some of the names left before they did what Shingo did, I, I would say, or had an opportunity to, or a willingness to in some cases, you know? Yes. So I think that that colors it a little bit, but just to kind of somewhat veer this back towards... Well, right? let, me, let, me, let me make one more point, and then I'll let you veer. Mm. Uh, but I, I do want to mention this. It's it's funny, like, the amount of footage on the network might hurt the the perception of Drangi to some people just because you know again not only do you have more stuff to watch but now uh, now a Kobe Sabo Hall show is less special because it's not the one Drangate show you get a month you now have Fukuoka and Kyoto and whatever else I do think the YouTube uploads have been such a godsend now the bad YouTube uploads are just they're bad they're they're uninspired to say the least but the amount of great matches they, they've been doing the YouTube uploads for two years now you got to remember the first match we saw on YouTube was Ishin Ihashi versus Ricky Ihashi. That's how far back that goes. I think the perception among people like you and I was that, you know, Dragon Gate is able to have the, the machine that they do because they work so hard in Cork and they work so hard at Hakata Star Lanes. And then they just dog it on the house shows. They are just not trying at all. And now you see on these house shows, like, no, there's really quality stuff there. And to come full circle, you know, as soon as those uploads uh, hit YouTube, I skim through to see what matches are there. And man, when it's a Tanaka match or when it's a Jason Lee match or when it's a big Shun match, I get so fired up because that's where I still feel like the company really, really shines. And I don't think the right people in terms of tastemakers that have a, a wider reach than, than the people that are already plugged into us, that's where I think they miss the mark, is that they ignore these YouTube uploads that are largely very good. And here, you know what's the great thing about the Gold Class versus D-Courage opener on Fukuoka's evening session? That's a YouTube upload. That's right. That I went four stars on it. I thought, oh, wow, okay. I thought that the way that they 
you you had slow you had Hulk and Ben and Gold Class be absolute bullies to Ryo Tanaka and just everything flowing into like these moments of oh wait the weak piece of Gold Class really was well, was Hulk in this match which we'll talk about the rest of the of gold class in a moment and the situation there, but it is something that I just like to the point that when Tanaka gets a roll up and the crowd screeches for him afterwards, like in excitement, that was a level of catharsis. And that was something that I felt like that they hit all the moments on, even though it wasn't necessarily like the, the best thing I've seen in wrestling all week. I thought that that was at least in Dragon Gate, the most memorable thing and would be the thing that when I go back looking through things when we're talking about Ulti Awards, this is a match that might not I might not think about for long, but I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember Roya Tanaka's win. They really built to that very well in the match. I'm starting to get pretty excited about the coming months. And really, I, I, would, I would just file 2024 away as a year that we could look back on with great fondness because... We're now starting to get depth with Tanaka. You know, he's making career moves. We're seeing an evolution. I think we're going to get some sort of evolution with Daiki here in the coming months. And then you've got Junior. And even though he's gone now, when he comes back, they're obviously going to be off the races with him. And then you've got Kato there as well. And I, I, and then you've got whatever is left of Tian Revolution in his lower half when he comes back. You know, hopefully his legs are able to heal up or his leg is able to heal up. I feel like they're just laying a lot of groundwork that is interesting and engaging. And I, I made the point about Junior time and time again about how as long as he's been healthy, they've constantly given him something to do and something to be involved with. And we're starting to see Tanaka have that same uh, th- that same charm where he's always in the mix doing something. It's like the, uh, the wedding crashers. It's like, well, what is he doing back there? He's always doing something. And you've got Kato doing the same thing now. And I just think with this next generation, not your main adventures now, where I still think there's uh, some inherent flaws in the booking and the way that the Dreamgate is handled. But in this next generation, I think they're doing a lot of things right. And, and this Tanaka win was very much one of the things that they've done right for these guys. Yeah, and it's something that I think you look at how Tanaka is doing. And you can you compare and contrast that with... Uh, Diane Kakuda, who it, you kind of have to remind yourselves that as they go into Rey de Perejas, that they are former Twin Gate champions together, uh, Kakuda and Daya. And it's a, I, it's something where like I like where they are going into this. Like obviously the specter of everyone's waiting for Yuki Oshioka to get back to see if we can. Uh... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
buy rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Get the dream, uh, the Twin Gate situation kind of fixed around. But I, uh, I feel like that D Courage had a really fun weekend, and it's something where I so we Rio Yatsnaka, obviously the headline topic of the week and the headline topic for D Courage, but. It's not like his seniors have been sloughing on it. I feel like that decourage uh trending upwards getting out of this week. And and that wasn't the only exciting Tanaka match of the weekend because on the afternoon show, you had Jason Lee and Strong Machine J versus Mochizuki and Tanaka. And that is sort of one of those what one of those sexy little three and a quarter star matchups that, you know, is not gonna find your way on the spreadsheet, but I watched that and went, damn, I I am into this. I like what's hot happening fighting. here. Hot hot fighting, a really good strong machine J outing, I thought. He he his chemistry with both Mochi and specifically Tanaka was like, oh, okay. All right, let, let, let me put that away. I can't wait to see how that evolves as the year goes along. Yeah, no, it it was it, as you said three and a quarter star match for me just my, my two notes hot fighting nice little tanaka ness and jay sequence yep yeah no the, the the finish there jay tapped out tanaka and it was uh it Diamond was all of friend. a sudden it was like it was like yave strong machine jay is like oh really shimmied into that submission didn't he it's something where i kind of want to auto uh, i i think we could talk a little bit about natural vibes because of strong machine jay here yes please he, yeah, let's do it yeah, Strong Machine J, like, I want to talk about him independently of the rest of Natural Vibes. The rest of Natural Vibes is still very much in their current uh, their current situation and dwelling uh, with Z-Brats. But Strong Machine J's weekend, we have uh, him and, and Fukuoka. He has, a, a, he has that match with, uh, uh, it's him against uh, Mochi and... Uh, and and Tanaka but you continue further on throughout the weekend and he was someone on the evening show just not happy to be there facing Ishin destroying it and then going over to New Japan stepping up for the Fantastica Mania show in Osaka Eon 2 in a uh, Pareja and Kree Blaze match with uh, Okamura and Yo versus Dark Panther at Pegaso and Kokeshi Machine number two and you, you kind of like take a step back and I feel like it's something where we're starting to see these steps from SMJ that like he's becoming his own guy independent and natural vibes now. And it's been a lot of fun to see after what happened at Cork one. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts on that fantastic mania match that I'll get into in just a second, but Mike, I, you know, I like doing this show with you because one, I like you on a personal level Two, I, I value your drangate opinion more than anybody's and three, I value your opinion on wrestling in general, even if I don't always agree with you. I, I think you offer valuable insight on every promotion that you watch. So do me a favor here. Put on your tinfoil hat for a second. Okay, here we go. We've seen Strong Machine J pop up in New Japan Pro Wrestling twice now. He did the Frontier Zone at Power Struggle, him and Mochizuki Jr. and Kato. They wrestled uh, Taguchi and some of the young guys on that show. And then he pops up on this fantastic mania show here as an injury replacement for master Watto. We know in the past that strong machine J was rejected by new Japan. Uh, was he rejected just to train or did he train with them and then was rejected uh, basically as his graduation gift? To my knowledge, or at least from the people I've talked to the story that they said, uh, uh, strong, super strong machine 
went and said, hey, my son would like to start training and we wanted to, to come to New Japan first. And New Japan said, oh, we're good. Yes. That was okay. the story. Yeah, that, I that, was that's told. what I thought as well. So you, you have New Japan who uh, I, I would say took notes of Dragon Gate's training and development and gave a public press conference two years ago saying, we, we should be more like this. We we have some ideas, and when you look closely at the ideas, they are uh, very, very similar to what Dragon Gate offers their young talent. You have Strong Machine J, who obviously has New Japan lineage and was rejected by New Japan previously. You now also have four years, or it'll be five years in April, Jesus Christ, five years of Strong Machine J proving that he's actually a, a pretty damn good wrestler. If you're Dragon Gate, if you're if you're GM Rio Saito, if you're President Keto, and you hit your pillow, uh, you hit hit your head on the pillow at night, are you concerned about Strong Machine J getting comfortable uh, with New Japan? I think it is something where it matters what you ultimately think his ceiling is. Like he is a Big Six member, but we know there's differences between your Yamatos to your Kiritazawas. Like, you, you're able to be a leader and you might not sniff the Dreamgate. So I think that is something that has to be kept in mind that you need to think about, like, okay, is it something where optically it's a bad thing for him to be the representative? I mean, we could talk about the uh, 2010s through 2013s and how much Dragon Gate happened within uh new japan and how much of it felt there and i would say that it didn't necessarily hurt things to have your packs your uh, ricochets and even going back to your bb hulks and your uria mottos showing up on these shows i don't think it's a bad thing right now if you are kind i i, I see the nice breadcrumbs you are you are kind of dropping with me if you want me to kind of do the entire new japan poaching him kind of thing case i see that i see i I saw how you laid that out for me but i kind of like think that it is something where not that he's expendable but if it ends up happening i think we all have to kind of go like that was always a possibility you can't you can't get mad that a baby wets their diaper like if (laughs) like i mean like that's just the way i look at these things and i try to keep in mind here i mean he's he he is of new japan blood and if it ends up that he ends up there long term or down the line or even like tomorrow i mean what can we really do about it this was always kind of a thing he is super strong machines son so you know you kind of i i think it's one of the things that cooler minds should prevail these sorts of things but that's never how that turns out Okay, follow-up question. Judging by the way that you spoke on Strong Machine J here, are, are you implying that your thoughts on him and his ceiling is not open the Dreamgate champion, that it's something of an Akira Tozawa, maybe a Bravegate run, a legendary Twingate run perhaps, but not somebody that you see with the top belt in the company? I just don't see him as the the guy out of the six that is the one that is going to step out ahead. Like, he might be near the Dreamgate, but I mean... We're at a point now where you look at the rest of the big six and it's him and Menorah as the ones being left out. So he's already there already is like a level of it that's happening in some levels. So do I think that he's just not going to ever be a Dreamgate champion? I don't know, but I feel less like a certainty about him than his beer could have Menorah, where we all just know they are trying to find like the 
the right time where it's like the belief is still there, but you're also like not just granting it on a pillow to the guy, you know, like I, there's just it's I put them in a similar kind of boat as Shimizu and KZ to me, which I feel like is different than the, the other. It's very interesting because I left Cork and Hall into a lesser extent these shows into an even lesser extent Fantastic Mania, but they all kind of all kind of come together. My thought is that they're they're going to make the run at, at Strong Machine J at least flirting with being the top guy this year. I think that's the direction we're going. I think Strong Machine J is going to be in main events plural this year. I'm really excited to see, like, come King of Gate time, if Strong Machine J is closing out shows, and maybe it's not Cork and Hall just yet, but maybe close out Osaka or Kobe or Fukuoka. I think we're we're gearing up to really see what he's made of this year. And that all started at Cork and Hall. And part of the reason I think we're there is uh, it actually goes back to that Fantastic Mania match. You know, I've said a hundred times on the show, I'll, I'll make it 101 here. Sometimes the working standard in Drangate is so high that it is counterproductive because you'll watch a six-man tag or even, even, for instance, the two eight-man tag main events on these Fukuoka shows that I thought were just kind of okay. You know, I, I, three and a half, three and three-quarter stars. But if they happen in another promotion, I think people would lose their minds for them. Watching Strong Machine J on that Fantastic Mania show, it hit me over the face just how charismatic he has become. And even in this era of Dragon Gate, where there is a, a much conjecture over who is a star and, and how high their ceilings are with the Rewa 6th generation in particular, he is still dealing with some charismatic animals. And when you put him in the ring with somebody like Yo, who clearly doesn't have what he has, or you put him in the ring against the other side of guys that he wrestled, you know, a Dark Panther or, a, a, you know, Hanma at this stage in his career. Oh, my God. I mean, Strong Machine J just lapped them. I thought mm -hmm. he jumped off of the screen in a way that was so incredibly impressive to me. And I hope that that can one day be seen even in the context of Drangate, that he can be in the ring with a Shun and with a Shimizu and with a, a baby face Kakuta with a reason to fight and that he can match their charisma because it really, really was impressive on this New Japan show. Yeah, what's Yo's deal? <laughs> I can't answer that for you. I wish like, I know. It, it is something case where I think like as we're, this is kind of the week that can do this sort of thing. I think I watch like I have like stepped up like my new Japan watching that like I can't just say that I, I I can't make like proclamations and just say like oh yeah that's that's my vibe from watching new beginning like I watch enough to kind of have a feel of things I just don't get Yo's deal like and, and just in general like the it, at one time it felt like that he was going to be like this big charismatic junior and now he's just kind of like grooving around to denim. Like I'm, I I don't get it, case. I, I, I don't get, I don't get it because I was so uh, everyone was, was so, so high on the guy. Well, and I one. and I in particular, like, I was so much higher on that era of New Japan Junior, uh, Junior tags and everybody else because people would like roll their eyes and be like, oh, like another Young Bucks versus Rapongi 3K match. It's like, oh, you mean another four and a quarter star match to start a pay per view? Like I don't see the problem here. But man, as soon as they went their separate ways, Yo and Show, it just. It just didn't work for either of them in rather immediately. Yeah, yeah, like that's like the big thing that when you like see Strong Machine J where he's he does like the the one thing I have to say about Strong Machine J also, you send the guy out there to a building of people that are like, oh, he 
he's a strong machine. I wonder what his deal is. And then they might hear like, oh, he's actually super strong machine's son. And they hear these things. And and then they see this guy hit the ring. He starts breakdancing. He just jumps off the screen. It's such a compare and contrast with that. And it is something where you have him doing all this. And then all the while, Natural Vibes is not in a good place after Cora Quinn. The cooler heads did not prevail. And I think it's a look at this the, this grouping and what all is kind of coming to that we are now approaching uh, Valentine's Day and the month of February might has been like the worst month for all of their them for the the unisk existence and I feel like it's majorly trending down at this point. I like that we have this era of vibes, a, a real definitive change, or at least the start of a definitive change in their presentation with uh, there being more tension in this unit than ever before. Because even during the the first era, when it was KZ, it, Genki, and Susumu, and Yashi, you know, that unit broke up because the generational war started, not because they themselves had issues with one another. So we've really never seen vibes within unit tension before. Uh, and with that, the, the charm of vibes is still there. I thought they had the match of the weekend, that eight-man tag that was Valletta and Kai and Shun and Kato versus Shimizu, Kamei, Jason, and KZ. I went three and three quarters, really, really wanted to go four. Uh, I actually think the match needed to be longer. It went 10 minutes. Had it gone 12 or 13, I think this would have been an easy notebook match for me. That was the match of the weekend because you have vibes just... You can tell they're a little off. It's like watching a sports team when you know the locker room is bad. They're just playing a little bit differently, consciously or subconsciously, and that is the way that Vibes is being presented right now. And uh, I think we can transition to Zebrats from here because I, I, I am so infatuated with Gianni Valletta and the work that he's doing in this promotion right now, Mike. I thought he I am was, almost I'm a, I'm almost aboard now. Like, I thought this, he was incredible in this eight man tag. He this is this is the point that I made. This is going to be perhaps the victory lap of all victory laps. A month ago, I told you he needs to get away from the squash matches. His magic is going to be in multi man matches, and sure as shit, this guy is unbelievable in multi man matches. Well, I mean, you also have in this one on the Fukuoka evening session, him and Shimizu pairing off that like everyone else in natural vibes, he's just slinging around and just bumping their asses off for him. Like Jack's being Jack is Jack. And then you have Johnny who is just the, like just going through everything. And then Shimizu is like the first one that he's not able to completely pull around. And then they just like go ass over tea kettle. And it just looks like, okay, now we figure this out here. We just a- ass over tea kettle at what looked like Shimizu running at a hundred miles an hour too. It was I mean, so it, cool. it, it looked it looked violent in a way that most Dragon Gate matches do not. Which obviously you and I are not going to critique the house style of this promotion. Spoiler: we're pretty big fans of it. But there was something different about what Shimizu and Valletta brought that was just like, oh, these are these aren't Dragon Gate heavyweights. These are legitimate heavyweights flinging themselves around in the same way that Kamei and Skywalker might. I mean, it, it was just. It was an incredible thing to say. Yeah, it is something where I'm like, all right, so here's how we get this Johnny guy to be my new favorite wrestler. He, oh, We're going to need him to, like, uh, they, they need to have more moments, like natural vibes, like jumping the bell and Johnny not being out there. And then Johnny going, what the hell is happening? Like, that was like a... a cool wrinkle case. Like, un, like, objectively, if you watch what's happened with 
Zebrats and Johnny Valletta and everything going on. The fact that Natural Vibes went like, all right, we're just going to get them at the start. Like we're, and if we get them at the start, we might be able to do this. And they jump them even before Valletta's out there and the Valletta stumbles out and changes things. It's just like those aspects that add to it. And I, I'll say this, there's one singles match that I feel like we need to get out of Johnny and they need to do it at an Island death match. I feel like him and Don Fuji really could ha- make some magic. That That is uh, not something I had thought about, but certainly something I am open to now, but you, you kind of hit on something there that I think is important to note with, with Valletta. And it's why once I saw the first six man tag that he worked, which was a YouTube upload, it's why I went, oh, okay, all right, they're, Th- this makes sense. I see the forest of the trees here. And it's why I told you, especially before that, I think it was the Bayside preview that we had this conversation on where I was like, hey, they're doing everything right with these squash matches. You know, they might not be enjoyable. There might be flaws here, but they are doing everything right. And it's an odd analogy to make because it's somebody that nobody really thinks highly of a worker as anymore. But New Japan did this better than anybody with bad luck Fale in a G1 where he would hit the same moves and do the same finish and they would do the same stretcher job angle after every one of his wins. And it just beat it over your head time and time again. And Valletta doing the same entrance and then doing the choke slam and then doing the knee drop and now doing the chain spot all of these little things are going to get countered at one point or another, and they're all going to lead to huge reactions. When he eventually misses that knee drop, when somebody moves out of the way, Mike, the place is going to come unglued because it's probably going to lead to like a crucifix pin and a finish, and it's going to be awesome. So for those who want to connect those dots, Case is calling that Jackie Funky Kamei is going to hit the jackknife. On yes, him, or the one, one million percent. Thank you. Yeah, one million percent. Th- this is all worth it because one, now it's not even one where you can say, oh, well, mechanically things are good so that, you know, they're going to keep doing it even though it's bad. Now it's just, it's just good wrestling. It, it, this is a very early uh, candidate into, hey, Dragon Gate makes everybody better. You know, it's Pac, Ricochet, Uha Nation, Luis Monte, and now you can add Gianni Valletta to the list. I already feel very comfortable with that. But you not only have the mechanics of this being right in the sense that things are going to pay off, the matches are good, and those payoffs are going to be awesome. It is going to be so good when a young boy... and uh, Did you watch the, um, the, Genki, the Genki match, match on the house yes. show? Him using Daiki... And just throwing him at him. Yeah, yeah. So Valletta does his entrance, and he's kind of using Daiki as a projectile. And then he he and Horiguchi are brawling on the uh, on the floor, and he throws Daiki into the ring. Valletta does because you know, he's just a young boy; he's on his way. And Daiki comes back and hits the tope with him. And the match is uh, for a little bit of a point of a time a two on one handicap match with with Genki and Daiki against Gianni Valletta, and it's awesome it's like a whole new wrinkle that that was super exciting so i I sent mike the message earlier today i go you're gonna think i'm insane this is a weird message you have to watch genki versus valletta on youtube it's awesome and it is i would recommend it february 12th go watch that match it's really really fun yeah and it's something where i think the thing with that there was the 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 valletta 
Daiki match that just like completely lost the plot at a cork and that soured things so early on that it, he's that, that they've been digging themselves out of the hole with that, but like showing, you know, the multi-mans and showing like, okay, on a house show, Ginky's smart enough and has been around the block enough and grew up in an era where there were these wrestlers that like, oh, Bruiser Brody, uh, Tiger Ali Singh and the stuff he grew up with is like, all right, uh, how am I going to get out of this scenario? All right, Daiki. Oh, Daiki is on ground is on ring duty. Oh, Daiki is getting kind of roughed up. Oh, Daiki wants to get involved. I'm going to do that. And it's just a logic flow that makes perfect sense. And especially in a in a promotion where like, hey, do you think Yagi is going to be like, that's wrong. You're you're, you're going to you're, you're giving an unfair advantage against Johnny Valletta. No, because there's nothing that's been shown that anything hurts Johnny Valletta. So why not let Daiki get his shots up? I, I really think Valletta's doing excellent work right now. It's not it's not perfect. You know, I, I don't want to compare him to any uh, former Dragon Gate big mans that have come through this promotion, but I think he's working in Zebrats. I think this is going to, uh, when it's all said and done, be a victory for this promotion and be a victory for Valletta in this unit. I really, really like what they're doing. And like I said, that eight-man tag, it was Valletta Kai, who Kai also looked great in this match. I've been really worried about him and his bicep injury. Thought Kai looked awesome. But Valletta Kai, Skywalker, and Kato versus Shimizu, Kamei, Jason, and KZ. Three and three-quarter stars, my match of the weekend. I would go out of your way to watch that match. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, I was three and a half on there, so I was right up there as well. Well, we were talking about stuff that will pay off in the long run. You're talking about this year kind of being Strong Machine J being thrust into the main events. Uh, I think we're starting to see a big overall story being told with our last unit. We kind of talked about uh, Strong Machine J, uh, not Strong Machine J. We kind of talked about uh, BB Hulk losing uh, against Ryoya Tanaka. Now we're talking about Kota Minora and, and specifically the his performances that he's had against Yamato a key in point the main event of the afternoon show it was basically a Ray de Parejas uh preview where you had four teams basically make up an Atomicos but this one it was Kakuda and Daya Yamato and Susumu versus Dragon Kid and Doi and Team Muscle Kota Minora and Benkei Yamato uh how how can I describe this best case Yamato beats Kota Minora beats him definitively but he pulls out the Ragnarok, his super Galarea move, and just spikes him within the middle of the ring out of nowhere. I woke up my dog laughing when this <laughs> finish happened. It was like well, it was like the most mean Yamato we have seen in about 12 years since he turned face after Mad Blank. The interesting thing with the Yamato and Minora stuff, because I'm into it, you know, we've highlighted it. Going back to, I, I think it might have been the first show of the year that they tangled, or it was the, it was the first cork of the year where it was like, oh, this is going to be a thing. And I, I'm, t- tell me if I'm if I'm being pessimistic here, but Yamato is going to beat Minora's ass, and Minora is eventually going to get his win. Do we think that is going to help Coach Minora in the long run, or do we think this is more of an exercise of effort and not something that we'll necessarily see a great payoff to? I think the story of 2024 is going to be Kota Minora becomes a man that he, he won King of Gate, but he's been like always seen as like this kind of immature figure. Of course, the debacles at Kobe world, 
I think we see him on the losing streak. He's no longer a pretty boy prince. Uh, the face of the company is now just outright embarrassing you. I think this is like the moment where Kota Minor either either makes the big turn and they finally get get a heel run out of him. He's been like this tweener essentially for two years. And then however we could see Zebrats and Gold Class kind of shake out, I think we're going to do this. Or they're doing the full push and we're looking at one half of our Kobe world man. Oh, you think Yamato versus Minora is the move? Oh, oh, I mean, no. Minora winning the Dreamgate at Kobe World. Huh. You know, what What Minora really needs, and they're not going to go in this direction because it looks like if they if they go towards this option, it's going to be Vibes as the main characters and Zebrats as the main characters and Gold Class isn't going to be involved. What he needs is to lose a cage mash and lose his hair. He needs to be... He, he needs something to like make him uh, less of a pretty boy, essentially. He yeah, needs, because you know need- we I, I I made this point last year. We got to the point with Minora where I think he was largely forgiven for his sins of 2022. I can look at Coach Minora and think of him as a as a real player in Dragon Gate again. Right. But I am just I'm not super optimistic that him beating Yamato after months of getting his ass kicked is going to be the thing where it's like boys were. We we've got it made now. Coach Menor is you know headlining all these big shows. I think he needs to lose his hair. He needs to be bullied and beat up a little bit. And yes, this, yeah, very much so. And if this is the start of it, where like he's going to have this big slide, Yamato is putting him down, loses his hair. Well, what is goal class really? If Benke kind of is like the one successful person right now in that unit. Hulk's losing to rookies. As, is, as he should. I, I mean, Hulk Hulk should be at that role for this kind of thing. But when you look at like unit health, we've been talking for months about natural vibes and Zebrats. Gold class has never been a particularly healthy unit case. And now Menora, the leader, the centerpiece, is really actually taking L's that we we look at 2022 we look at all the things that he has done and like the the amateur things we we've kind of gone like okay that's fine and they did not do the cosmic damage that we thought that it could be doing but now we're at a point where it's not the cosmic damage it is like man you you're just needing to kind of growing up you need to grow up and i feel like that we're kind of seeing him being forced to grow up as a wrestler this year and i think that's gonna be a major storyline yeah they're certainly hitting the right beats with the yamato thing it's uh it's maybe just a, a mental block that i have with menorah where i'm not i'm not sold on this being a long-term effective plan but i i am really enjoying this side of yamato in particular oh i'm totally with you on this it's something whenever yamato has been cranky it's usually it resulted in fun things so i'm here with that him and susumu they seem like that they have built that unaffiliated team up as kind of like a success story. Like, oh, Yamato and Susumu, they they are on the same page. Like, this makes sense for those two. And it is as, at least with Susumu, moving on to how he is going to be main eventing at Champion Gate against Big Hug. Big Hug. They were essentially against each other 
and the main event of the evening session. Not a whole bunch of uh, of interactions between the former N3K guys and Big Hug outside of that, but it seems like it's kind of the best way to kind of put a bow on this week case and to kind of talk about it is to look at the this the, the title programs we have going into Osaka. Yeah, yeah. No, I am uh, very much into... Uh... The Dreamgate match here with Monte and Susumu, I thought their chemistry was great. I, I got to say, one of the big winners for me this weekend was Luis Monte, because I think uh, after my initial concerns, and, and they're still there, but far less than that Hyo was just overshadowing Monte to such a gross degree. Monte is starting to look comfortable. You know, I, I don't know if he looked comfortable winning the Dreamgate belt in December or uh, for the, the better half of January, but I think... As silly as it may sound, I just think this new gear helps. I, where, where are you at with Monte in terms of his presentation and his feel as a champion right now? It is something where I kind of think that Hyo being this charismatic presence takes such a weight off him in a way. And it was something that this was the other side of the coin of, oh, is he being overshadowed? Yeah, but also at the same time, it, it it is the, the weights being spread around and you're making it not just a single act that's popular or two guys are doing all right now you have something where i feel like it's a real uh some of the parts is better than the uh them by themselves and we're talking about the two singles champions in this promotion in that regard and i i, I think uh luis monte is trending pretty well uh, i think that's something where they are starting to flush out Big Hug. We had more JFK teases this week. And I think that we kind of walk out of this week with Big Hug. Kind of like now we're seeing them uh, just gel. And we're seeing the overall act. I still think it's something where he's got to lose the t-shirt and wear the uh, the suspenders, right? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a, a big reveal for that at some point. I am I am into that. Sorry, I got I, this is so off topic. I got distracted. Uh, I'm watching an Orlando Magic game in the background, and you know how basketball teams have their like designated fan section with a certain nickname. Sure. Yeah. The Orlando Magic's uh, fan section is the Ozone, and I you were talking about Monte, and I got so thrown by that. Uh, but you are exactly right. Monte needs to wear the suspenders. And honestly, you know, we're talking about a guy who's ramping up time and time again. He seems to look better uh, with each and every outing that he has. The advantageous position to be in when you're in a spot like that is to, at some point, wrestle Susumi Yokosuka in a big singles match. And he's going to get that in a few weeks. And so I think by the time we are uh, talking on March 13th, you know, a month from now, post-Champion Gate and into Ray Day Parejas, I have no concerns about Big Hug. I think they are both at that point going to be running like well-oiled machines as both individuals and the tandem. Yeah, and it's something where I, when you look at how Dragon Gate's schedule is this month, like essentially February is still kind of in the quiet period. We They're off until they are at KBS Hall and then one other show this weekend and then they're essentially at... Uh, we are essentially then at champion gate. So it's not like we need a lot of heavy lifting to get over the line. I'm just kind of now as we're looking ahead, we still have those question marks about the other two titles. If we're only having one champion gate. So, yeah, I, I would have liked, and you made this, this point off the air and it really, it resonated with me. 
I would just like to have a clearer direction of who Kiyomiya and Alejandro are going to wrestle in Osaka. And maybe it's a case where they're just waiting to see what Yoshioka's health level is at. And if they can get to Yoshioka and Daya versus the Noah team, they'll just do it there because that's all, all you need is the announcement that Yoshioka's coming back and there's your build there. But I couldn't I couldn't point to two members on the roster and go, they deserve a twin gate match right now. Honestly, I would say that about Big Hug, maybe more so than anybody else. And they are the two guys with matches in Osaka already. Right. And it's something where we're at a point where we have that champion gate show on the third. Nostalgia Gates on the second. Do you need to have more title matches? Because it always was two title matches at Champion Gate. Well, but normally it's it's two nights of Champion Gate. Right. I would be I would feel cheated if I didn't get twin and triangle gate matches on that show. Especially twin, just because I'm so into the Noah stuff right now and I want to see Kiyomiya come back. And I think him wrestling in Osaka number two for Dragon Gate would be really interesting. So I, I would I would be very, very bummed if we didn't get matches for all of the titles on that show. I think we have to kind of and not to completely go on a tangent here, I think you kind of have to think that part of there being only one night of Champion Gate at this point, and it's not like Kiyomiya is going to be showing up to KBS Hall this weekend. I think we have to kind of prepare ourselves that these might be the title matches, and Nostalgia Gate is, hey, this is how we're making up for the fact that we have only one night's worth of championship matches. We're just going to do a more modern version of Tori Mon reunion. Well, I I mean I don't I don't know if it has to be as cut and dry as that because Kiyomiya he's only shown up on what he like showed up at a Corkin and then he did Final Gate and then he didn't show up anywhere before Bayside, right? Uh no, he did not. Yeah, I mean, look, they can this is I I don't think this is a, a current Dragon Gate problem. I think this is just historically how they've booked and at times it's magic and at times it rubs me the wrong way. We could come out of Kyoto and they could say, all right, Daya and Tanaka are challenging for the belts. Okay, all right, fine. I, I guess they've earned it, whatever. Uh, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I don't think they need uh, the Noah guys involved to set up that title match. I just wish there was momentum there with some team other than, again, Big Hug, who are already booked, uh, to make it obvious that, that we were trending in a direction for a Twin Gate match. But I still think we're going to get twin and triangle gate matches on, on that second champion gate show, or I guess the uh, second out of Osaka. Yeah. And, and of, of course we don't know a single thing about nostalgia gate. It is something though, that when you hear those kind of shows and how they have done the Torimon reunion shows in the past, it makes me believe that they're going to be all in on doing that. And there's not really title matches on it. No. And I think you and I, I this is the time to have this conversation. We've okay. kind of had this on the run sheet for a month and I've just kept on kicking it down the road. I think you and I are way more down on the idea of nostalgia gate, not for any reason, at least to me, other than fear of execution than a lot of people. I I would temper your expectations if you're really excited about that show and accept the fact that you might be delightfully surprised and Otherwise, I would say I'm not looking forward to it. I kind of think it's going to be a uh, I think it's going to be a fun show. I just don't think it's going to be a cool show, if that makes sense. I think that expectations and when people think about nostalgia and they know it's going to be post Torimon, they're going to get misconceptions that 
are not realistic in today's politics. And I think that happening at the same time and happening around the same time as uh, Masato Yoshino having his first produce show and a in-ring exhibition of Shima is optics are not great about doing a nostalgia show because at least in the West case, more often than not, people are going to be, you know what they're going to be asking about the show, right? Yeah, is Shima going to be there? And I think that that's the worst thing you could do about a show like this when you're at a time where, especially in the lead up to your first real WrestleMania weekend in 10 years that you don't really want to be bringing up the past. You're trying to set out like, this is what dragon gate is. This is what the dragon system is in 2024. This is the newest evolution of the uh, most high tech, high tech wrestling. Like for, for, for lack of better terms, like the most evolved sense of pro wrestling that dragon gate has shown for 18 years in the United States. You don't want to bring up the th- the fact that, Oh, Shima's not there. Masato Yoshino is doing something else, and uh, Shingo Takagi is not going to probably be there. Akira Tozawa is probably not going to be there. A lot of these names that, but by doing this kind of show, at least internationally, you get mis- you're going to build up uh, levels of misconception. I feel like unless you are very kind of uh, patently clear about this, you're not going to be able to do Blood Generation. You're not going to be able to do. Uh, uh, world one you're not going to be able to do a lot of these units that people have this nostalgia for and is that well, you the, you could do you could do like doy and hulk and kz and world want, one though. that's not what people want though that they, they think masato yoshino naruki doy and bb hulk the odd the odd thing is that they can't do blood generation and they can't do crazy max because it's just it's just fuji left and you know Doi and, and, and Fuji and is, not, is not blood generation. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's one of those things that, hey, is it really like bringing back the Jimmies? They've been bringing back the Jimmies basically ever since the Jimmies broke up. That, that's the thing. I, I It's funny. I was talking to John Carroll about this, and I John doesn't do a lot of Dragon Gate stuff anymore, but we had a conversation after the show was announced, and I brought up the fact that I really – my hope for this is they do Dragon Kid – Genki and Rio Saito in a do fixture reunion. And John made the point of like, well, aren't they just going to do a Jimmy's reunion with Genki instead? Like, why would he do do fixer and not Jimmy's? But I, I, to me, if we can get that trio, what we voted as the greatest trio of all time uh, into uh into the nostalgia gate show of, of DK Saito and Genki, I think that would be a lot of fun, but I, I don't have, yeah, high, I, I think the show will be very good. I just think the presentation of it, if people are expecting like, a hardcore tribute to Drangate, I don't think they're going to get that. And I think that there is something also to be said by the fact that they're doing this over uh, two title mat, uh, over the standard two nights in Osaka Champion Gate show. The fact that this is a Lek produce show instead of doing what you have done and doing a nostalgia thing when Case what has been the one most successful thing since 2019 in the era of COVID and afterwards in this in this wrestling economy, what has been the one thing that you could count will draw every single time? Retirement shows. And nostalgia. Yes. Which, so, yeah, one of the same. So doing one of these shows instead of doing your standard Champion Gate lineup, I don't look at that as a positive portent. I look at that as, hey, 
we're at a point where it is more of a use of our resources to do this thing versus what we have always done. And it is something where I think you look at it and yes, big step forward with gated Bayside. But for me personally, step back doing a nostalgia gate show, doing another nostalgia show at this point in time, to be clear at this point in time, this is the only legacy based show that we know of for this year. But case, you know, they're going to do another Tory Mon reunion in Corquin hall. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if they are, I don't know. You know, they're, they're, they're going to do another tour monitor union in Corquin Hall. I, what else can you do? What haven't they done? I mean, they didn't do one last year. They didn't do a tour monitor union volume two. They, that was or, 2022. They didn't do one last year. I no, no, no. The last one they did was the junior debut show. Oh, and no, that it, that even felt like that. Like I like that show a lot, but that felt like they were thin on ideas. Like they did Don Fuji versus Dragon Dio on that show. Just yeah, because they did Skateboard Brothers because they had to re they had to redo uh, Skateboard Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bros. Like yeah. the the first one, the first one was a home run. They brought everybody back. They did everything they could. Milano came back. It was great. The second one was a good show, but it it wasn't it wasn't the same. I I you know we've heard for a, quite a while now that they want to do a show in Mexico. And so if they do another Torreon reunion show, whether it's, uh, you know, under the dragon mania banner or it's under the, the Torreon reunion banner, I think that will have a bit of a different flair to it, but I don't, I don't think that would sell great in Corkin anymore, unless they really got creative and are thinking of something that I can't think of. I, I'm okay with this. Uh, because I don't look at it as a cop-out. I do look at it as just like, hey, let's try something different. Dragon Gate is very clearly trying something different with their schedule this year. So I'm not bothered by it. But no, I, I think we've hit the end of Torimon Reunion. And if we do, uh, if we see another one in, in Corkin, you're going to have to really have a creative main event, something that I can't think of right now, in order for that to have any sort of pop. Or you have to have just the biggest ace up your sleeve, like imaginable if somehow Milano Collection AT was going to, you know, wrestle. Like yeah, that. And, and that would have happened in 2020, I think, if he was ever right. going to wrestle. But he did the run-in instead, which was still, you know, one of the, I don't know, one of my 15 favorite Dragon Gate moments of all time. No, 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 no. And, and I think you're justified in saying that. Like, it is something where if this is, they're like, okay, we've run this out in Tokyo, we haven't done one of those in Osaka. Let's do this more uh, 05 on. Then, okay, you've scaled it down and you, you, you've 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 squeezed all the juice in Tokyo. You're moving on with that. Then I still wonder, like, why wouldn't you do this then on the uh, kickoff show like you did for the first Tormon reunion? It was the first Goric win of the year. But is it, ju- is it just a case of... It's the twenty. Can you also just chalk it up to it's twenty five years of the company, and maybe they want to do this just because of the anniversary? I mean, that that is always a factor. But I would think that the bigger event would have been one thirty one or Kobe World. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I, I'm less bothered by the setup of this event than uh, than you are. I, I, can I ask you real quick? Is there a Dragon Gate specific nostalgia thing that you would like to see come to fruition on that show? Do you have a in the same way that I really want to do fix your reunion? Is there something that you really want out of this? I mean, all the stuff that I, if we're looking at stuff of that era that I would want to happen, I just like, unless we're going to get, uh, like Geku Judo Yamato 
like the, it, 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 it or Lupin Matsutani, it's really something where I don't know other than doing like do fixer versus decourage, which I think is what they should probably do if it's available to do that. I don't know really what you're going to bring. Like you're not bringing in Naoki Tanizaki for the show, right? Like, I mean, that'd I just be nice. I would love that. I would love that. It's just the realities of the situations. But, what, like, if, so what if they do KZ, Kanda, and Arakan, and they give you a deep drunkers match? That's on the table. Damn, you know I'm the one person who does, who, if we're going to have deep drunkers back, this is the time. God, if there was ever, like, you know. <laughs> and, and isn't that an indictment of it? If, if that's what you're, you're, go, you're coming to is deep drunkers reunion? No, not for one show. That doesn't bother me. And, and plus, it would, uh, I, I think it would, it would be the one thing that would win Joe Lanza back over. I think all of his uh, uh, qualms of dragging would go away if they booked a deep drunkers reunion, which would uh, greatly help the numbers of this podcast. Um, uh, no, I, it, it, that doesn't. It doesn't bother me. I think it's it's one night of fun, you know, and this is still a promotion where a majority of your main eventers are under 30 years old. This is just uncharted water for Dragon Gate because they haven't had history to to recall on like this before. You know, they're only now dealing with cycles of life in a way that other promotions have had, uh, you know, New Japan, All Japan and even Noah inheriting just a lot of All Japan's history. This is something that Drangit hasn't had the luxury to do for the longest time. And I think this is more a case of, hey, we're 25 years old. Let's have some fun, more so than a desperate plea to sell tickets for the first time in Osaka. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, you were talking about tradition. You're talking about 25 years. As we close out this year, we talked a little bit about this last week, but more of a schedule has kind of started to develop. WrestleMania weekend and Dragon Gate case, we actually, it feels like after years of visas and COVID and just everything, feels like we are actually going to have Dragon Gate in the United States at WrestleMania weekend, 18 years after 33106. Yes, so right now uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna run down all of the WrestleMania Dragon Gate matches that we have booked. Uh, is there? Let me just go down this list. I don't think there's anything else to add. So Thursday, April 4th, right now we have booked the RexFest Dragon Gate Ludo Show, which is the uh, Maximo Brothers, uh, the SATs. This is their home promotion. We have Yamato and Dragon Kid versus PJ Savage and Joel Maximo. We have KZ versus Superstar Whiplash, Adrian Santos and a mystery opponent, and the Feral Face versus Ho-Ho Lone. I can't wait for this one. Like, I, I I, think we've discovered since Dragon Gate has come back that it's not always the GCW is the one that treats you the best or really gets what's going on. It is your Rex Fest. It is your ETUs. And those are the ones I'm kind of most looking forward to. So, uh, The JCW and GCW versus the World Show. This is Thursday at midnight, so bleeding into Friday morning. This is the match I alluded to last week that I knew they were planning on. I just wasn't sure uh, what show it was going to be on, and I wasn't sure if they were going to do this or if they had pivoted to just a Dragon Gate six-man entirely. This is Gringo Loco, Arez, and Latigo versus Team Dragon Gate, Yamato, Dragon Kid, and Shun Skywalker. That is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be something where I feel like, because I like Gringo Loco, and, and like the... 
I feel like Gringo Loco and Shin Skywalker will have a really fun sequence. I I can assure you Gringo Loco is into this. I have not I have not spoken to Gringo Loco uh, <laughs> Gr- Gringo Loco about this match specifically, but I can assure you he's into this. I'm stoked about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. so th- so that is Thursday. They've got the Ludo show and then that six man tag. No word at this point on if Ben and Minora and KZ are going to be on that JCW GCW show. Like I said last week, you know, this crew they uh, somebody approached me that is helping out with these shows. and They had a lot of questions about Minora. He seems to be the most unknown guy there. So it would not surprise me uh, if the other three Drangi guys are just not on this show because they might not know what to do with them. Uh, but then again, I also heard they were looking at a trios match with those guys as well, which if it were to happen would be very, very exciting. Friday, April 5th, you have spring break. This is uh Drangi classic versus the Raywa generation. Yamato, DK, and, and KZ versus Shun, Ben, and Coach Minora. Uh, credit where credit's due. This is the right match to book. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, and it was something that we've talked about like last week. Is just the way the unit landscape is right now. Shun Skywalker, you can only book him in certain ways, and having him with the Rewa 6 is the right way to do if this is your hand, basically. Saturday, April 6th, they've got two appearances as of this recording. They have the H2O Thrashylvania show, and they have Shun Skywalker versus Coach Minora booked in a singles match. Hey, that's uh, I the, that's the guy from PWI show, right? As in Pro Wrestling Illustrated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that that he was behind one of these shows this week. I, I will take your word for it. I, I do not know. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe that is the case. But, hey, doing a big... Dragon Gate singles match, I think, is bull to do. And I'll, if you book a Dragon Gate match, I will watch your show. So, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to watch Kaya uh, McKenna for this. So, all right, cool, let's do it. Oh boy! And then finally, and this is the, this is the show that I think I am most looking forward to because oh, ETU, yeah. yes, it, ETU has done such a good job when they've used Dragon Gate guys in the past, specifically. You know, they made a really big deal. They got the first SB Kento and La Estrella appearances in the United States in 2022. And they made a really big deal out of that. This is expect the unexpected, unlock the expected ETU versus Dragon Gate. This is 4 p.m. on Saturday, April 6th right now. And all we know is that scheduled to appear is KZ, Ben K, Ho Ho Loon, uh, Dragon Kid, Yamato Shun Skywalker, Coach Minora, and La Estrella getting booked on this show as well. So they know what's up. They are booking Estrella, and I have very high hopes for this show. Maybe not even in terms of match quality, but presentation. I have a feeling ETU is going to be the strongest and know the most. Yeah, it's going to be the one that I feel like, as if we're looking at it purely from Dragon System kind of mindset, this is going to be the one that will have us like being the most pleased or walking away not feeling insulted maybe <laughs> like not insulted i shouldn't say that but well no i mean look there's they, I, they do I, great I, work with dragon I, gate guys i i understand gcw is booking the the quote-unquote right matches right now but there there's a lot of people in that kitchen a lot, a lot of cooks in that kitchen and by the time those guys are making their ring entrances and commentaries going on and on, and it's GCW on WrestleMania weekend, the promotion might not get the respect that they deserve. So we'll have to see. Jury's still out there. 
Yep. No, I am with you on that. But that's where we're standing, and I'm certain we'll have a lot more stuff as we get closer to WrestleMania weekend. Well, Case, do you have anything else you want to touch on before we got out of here? I, I do not. This was a, a very fun 90 minutes of audio, Mike, and that is that is all I have to say. Yep, this was a fun one. I knew we were going to go a little loose this week, but I feel like we made it work. And as always, this is one of my favorite times of the week, talking with you. Oh, well, oh my God, thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. But we will be back with you next week. They're going to be in Kyoto, and we'll have more stuff going. And we'll have another Rewind and Rewatch episode for you soon. We have figured out the topic for February. And we will have that to you in the next few weeks. But that's going to do it this week on Open the Voice Gate. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm at underscore, or I'm at Fujiheya. Cases at underscore in your case. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll be back with you next time. Take care. Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.